Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. We are your hosts, Associate Professor of Education and Enterprise, Philip Cummins, and prominent educational thought leader, Adriano Prado. The Game Changers podcast aims to not only put a spotlight on the innovative ideas shaping the landscape of 21st century schooling, but to enter into a deep dialogue with those brave pioneers, the true game changers in education those individuals that don't wait for permission, leaders in education who are actually courageous enough to make real change in their learning community as they foster the growth of each young person in their care to ultimately thrive in this new world environment. These are their stories. A flourishing future. What an interesting idea. But more than an interesting idea, the passion, the purpose for a whole group of remarkable educators here in Australia and around the world who start with the heart, then go to the head, and then the hands. We've been really blessed, haven't we, this series seven of The Game Changers, to hear from such wonderful contributors to the notion of today's learning for tomorrow's world. I'm really excited to revisit the series and see what we can draw out of it. I can't wait. Let's go. Before we start our conversation with today's Game Changers guest, Phil, can you share with our audience a little insight into our Series 7 sponsor? Thanks, Adriano. Of course I can. We are proud to be partnered with EDAPT Education. EDAPT Education helps schools from around Australia bring together their academic engagement, well-being, intervention and student voice data onto one platform. Let your data work for you to improve the academic growth and well-being of all students in your school. For training and support to help you get started, visit www.edapt.education. That's www.edapt.education. Let's go. Bill, it is great to be with you today. How is uh, the People's Democratic Republic of Fitzroy treating you this morning? Oh, look, not so democratic, Adriano. You know, I've noted previously on the Game Changes that uh, my disapproval of the shutting down of the mobile afternoon dog walking cocktail and now I note that Earl, my beloved pug, has indeed been shut down by Fitzroy. Mm, yeah, that's shattering, shattering news. You know what I think you need? There's a tonic to cure all your ills, and that's an old-fashioned perhaps this weekend, Phil, poured over some nice ice in a, a great tumbler and a nice book. That's something for you to enjoy and ponder. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. For <laughs> Series 7, we turned our attention to this notion of a flourishing future, you know, designing a better normal, as we attempt to unpack the provocation that we had from our prologue episode, how do we in schools keep challenging binary thinking for designing a better normal? In Series 7 of the Game Changers podcast, we once again had 11 remarkable educators. We had a financial literacy guru, an immersive learning designer, a director of student opportunity and careers education, a global citizen educational leader, an inclusive education champion, a foundational principal, an imagine if explorer, a principal of marginalized youth in society, an entrepreneurial educational superstar, and two visionaries for the transition from high school to life. Each Phil challenged our binary thinking and inspired us with their version of an intentionally designing for a better normal paradigm. Each Series 7 Game Changers guest reminded us that those school leaders and educational sectors that understand future pathways and what each might mean for them and have the courage to plan ahead will be best prepared to support young people to succeed and flourish in the obvious reality of this new tomorrow that we find ourselves in, that we need to re-examine the purpose of schooling for our times and to ensure that it is based on the facts 
and best predictions about the impact of this restlessness that we find ourselves in, in the relentless change that goes on every single day in this world we live in. It means realising that our decisions on our vision today will lead to consequences in the future that we may not see and, and we, may, we may not ever live but others will, especially our COVID children and the generations that follow. Our series seven game changes helped us explore the key ingredients for designing a better normal field so that each person in our schools might begin to flourish in their today into their future. Adriana, thanks for the delivery of the cocktail, by the way. That was a very, very kind gift, mate. Arrived on my doorstep this morning. You mentioned there the facts, and I want to talk about two things in relation to the facts that each one of these educators is grounded in a deep understanding of today, tomorrow, and operates from the basis not of I reckon, but I know. How they do this, though, I think is really interesting. Some of the Series 7 Game Changer guests are the sort of people who immerse themselves in the world and then step back to construct that vision. They're, they're, they're inductive thinkers. You know, they, they, they need to get their hands dirty in and around the doing of education before they can sit there and say, okay, so I can see how the vision might be created. Others start with the vision. They're the, they're the deductive folk, aren't they? They're the, mm. They pose that hypothesis, you know, the imagine if, the what if, uh, and they sit there and they go, okay, so now let's use the facts to construct the pathway there. And our world needs both types of thinkers. Mm. I think that's really, really important. I think the, the second thing that I would observe is that they each one of them complements the facts with their own passion. Mm-hmm. for getting there and and you know increasingly as we as we look and and we see what it is that's really making a difference in the world that passion that great educators have is infectious on all those people around them it's been a rubbish year really for in so many different ways hasn't it for people in schools um, here in australia and around the world because of circumstances beyond our control if we don't have people with passion and imagination if we don't have people who are leading with their heart and using their head and their hands to construct something that's congruent with that passion uh, for what might be it'd be really easy to get caught up in the everyday I, I know you're always talking mate about the notion of audacious hope that's the way forward to the flourishing future that's the reason why we take the big step forward and up because somebody gives us that hope and that audacity and sometimes that panache as well too and sometimes grittiness, you know, because yeah. life isn't all old-fashioned and pocket squares. Sometimes it's, it's muddy boots and dirty hands, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Talking about hope, let's get to our first episode. We started Series 7 with the founder of Money School, Lacey Filipich. I first actually met the effervescent Lacey at Space in 2009. I was instantly drawn to her, Phil, her infectious smile, her smarts. And you speak about hope, her optimistic concept of money and its real human value. You know, our conversation in Series 7 highlighted the value of flipping the time-poor narrative, you know, this deficit-thinking economics to the concept of being time-rich a half-glass-full kind of storyline, so to speak, when viewing financial management, an important kind of literacy for all, all learners that focuses on lifting up from a conversation about limiting waste and liberating hope. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about game changers. Um, in fact, I know it was you who, who, who coined that phrase of, of game changers being bold pioneers who don't wait for permission. Lacey's, Lacey models that in spade loads, doesn't she? And she has such confidence around thinking about what a model might be that might improve outcomes for more people 
around the world. That doesn't mean she claims to know everything. She's mm. uh, she's got that Jim Collins thing, doesn't she? That 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 good to great humility, willpower, and the capacity to bridge the apparently irreconcilable gap between those two. Lacey does that really, really well, as does Moncute, but in a totally different way. I'm really interested in your take on Moncute, Adriana, because you know it, there he is, the founder and director of United Make. He's an architect. But in his work, in his vocation, he's also an educator because he really gets that notion, that integration of learn, live, lead and work. It's all one holistic piece for Mond. And he's pretty introspective about how he does it too. Yeah. So I'll I'll respond to you this way. Um, You know, encounters that evoke feelings of awe often lead to new relationship with self, place and the other. You know, these moments of awe give us this kind of profound sense of hope and the ability to see the bigger picture. Each teaches us that there might be something magical in the beauty of everyday life that that we can always be forever grateful for. Working in research practice and teaching internationally, Mond challenges us all as educators and learners to iterate in this space of encounter and embrace the challenges of the 21st century. You know, in this episode, he discusses why we should adopt a designer mindset in a world that needs us to be more curious, more creative, more diverse than ever before through being open to exploring the power of habits and intentionally immersive encounters of wonder and awe. And manages to do it in a way, again, where the process itself shapes the outcome as much as the original concept. So starts with a sense of purpose, interacting Mm -hmm. with people and place and planet that product, there's another P, mm-hmm. at the end of the day is, is worked out through the practice of it. And again, it's, it's a beautifully integrated way of doing things. Do you know, I, I once worked in a school, Adriana, and we won't mention names here, but I've held a senior role in that school. And I, I can remember spending half an hour attempting to convince a board why it was important that boys had beautiful things around them. And they just couldn't get it. They stint. What do boys need an aesthetic for? What do human beings need an aesthetic for? Um, if we don't have something that delights our souls, if we don't have something that gives us all of the emotional responses that uh, beauty brings, and if we don't have the execution of elegant design in our lives, how will we know how to live a life that's well lived and worthwhile? How will we know about potential how will we know about possibility i learned so much from mon q you know samantha mcfetridge on the other hand completely different approach to doing things um there's somebody who's in the middle of it every day thinking about the way in which students need to create for themselves a pathway into the future that will uh, allow them to thrive that will allow them to follow that sense of possibility. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You, you, you talk about following that sense of possibility. Outstanding organisations like, you know, Foundation for, for Young Australians have illustrated to us through extensive reports that there's a new world order, that career pathways aren't as linear as they once were for the young, and young people are expected to, to, to have, you know, almost like 17 different jobs across five careers in their lifetime. And and our conversation with Samantha reminded us that an entrepreneurial-minded learners really achieve success by applying knowledge creatively and resourcefully. 
be it in a STEM, be it in business, creative arts, trade, social enterprise, you know, professional areas, any type of kind of knowledge. And it's that that this ability is recognized globally as a kind of critical 21st century learning and uh, skill for active citizenship. And, and she helped us understand that it is not just about building a business, but empowering all learners to build their own future through discovering possibilities available to them via a comprehensive careers education framework. Yeah, I, I, I really like the way that the vision for Samantha is so much about the character apprenticeship, isn't it? And about the way of working with people to help them to unlock what they see as their possibility. Um, it's, it's so uh, student focused. Um, and there, there are terrific things occurring at Winona School under the leadership of the incomparable Bryony Scott and the work that Samantha is doing there in student opportunity and career education is all about that unlocking of possibility within individuals. Again, a complete contrast from the sort of work that Hamish Curry, Executive Director of the Asia Education Foundation, has been doing in what he does. You know, it's, it's that contrast between the sort of day-to-day experience, the, the crafting, the finding of your own pathway to excellence towards where you want to go, and then the stepping back and stepping into an immersion experience an in-country immersion experience. Remember those things we used to be able to do before um, this nasty little coronavirus turned up on our doorsteps, Adriano? Mm. Um, you know, that in-country experience that says, oh, I'm going to take you out of a norm, allow you to interact with others, which then not only expands your horizons, but gives you the opportunity then to contribute mm. back in turn. We learned from Hamish so much about the importance of global mindedness, of, of being in culturally mindedness, and about the interdependence that is required for us to flourish in the world of tomorrow. Now, our chat with Hamish reminded me of the significance of place. You know, th- this thinking is centered around the notion that learning can take place anywhere, anytime by, by anyone. We've said that before, where young people can access knowledge at a touch of a button. Therefore, schools kind of need to commit to creating authentic learning experiences, in my belief, Phil, that, that enable learners to connect deeper with self, place, and especially the other. You know, this more kind of personal exchange with real-world contexts and, as you just mentioned, in-country immersions that allow all learners to consider the social change, the dialogue, and the bridge building needed to better connect to their local and their global communities. You know, it allows for all learners to construct global perspectives and and their own meaning, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom and outside the school. And we cannot ignore, as Hamish highlighted to us, that virtual reality also ensures that the entire world is now a new classroom. That's that's an amazing concept, really, isn't it? That that Mm. the entire world can be our, our classroom. And we've seen many examples of that along the way. I enjoyed the way Hamish put the case for it very much and reminded us of that ongoing rationale for us to do that. There are so many reasons in the world today not to engage with the world. This shift away from the global, that both the virus and, and politics, you know, tries to push us back to a much more cloistered and closed approach to things. We need to retain that openness in terms of exploring out into the world in exactly the same way, I think, that we need to be aware of how we explore inclusion and how we create that sense of possibility and how we allow people to flourish within 
the communities that we're constructing at the same time. So sometimes That's a lovely segue there, Phil. Absolutely. Tanya Sheckler, the founder of, of Up Academy, you know, it's, you know sometimes, the, sometimes the adventure is to go out and sometimes the adventure is within. And I, and I think that's what Tanya and Up Academy gave us. Yeah, you're absolutely you're right, Phil. You know, um, my perspective is this, the rise and rise and rise of personalised learning. You know, alongside our changing notions of what constitutes a classroom, Tanya reminded us that our ideas about the way in which we teach must be reshaped, that the old one-size-fits-all model is outdated and has no place in the agenda for today's schooling for tomorrow's world. As a result, teachers will need to develop individualised learning plans for students, each home to a unique life, which will enable each student to access curriculum and learning design at a pace that best suits their abilities and their divergent needs, that allows them to engage with knowledge, skills and wisdom that is most beneficial to them. What do you think helps Tanya to understand the notion of what is most beneficial to them, Adriana? You know, it's a really interesting question. And, and you know, we were really privileged to, to be in a conversation with Tanya where she shared, you know, the traumatic circumstances of her own daughter's passing. And uh, that's a really difficult thing for me to get my head around. I would imagine losing a child would be something that is, uh, is something that I wouldn't want anyone to encounter. And I feel that sometimes through circumstances like that, we gain clarity around what our purpose and mission in life is and what truly matters. And our schools are communities of people. And what Tanya was able to demonstrate through her own struggle in that circumstance uh, and, and her, her daughter's own educational needs was that when we attend to those on the margins, it's the most powerful reflection of who we are as a society. And she's doing that exceptionally with the UP Academy. Thank you for that reflection, um, that very poignant reflection there, mate. Um, I think when, as educators, if, if whatever we do on the margins determines the success that we have for all, because if we can make it work in the most difficult and challenging of circumstances, then, then we've got a chance of making it work for everybody. But most importantly, I think the work that we do with you know, those on the margins it attunes us to the other in a way that we can then bring our attentiveness back to everybody else. You know, when I look at what Scott Donohoe at the Foundation Principal at Catherine Macaulay Catholic College is doing, that attentiveness on an mm -hmm. institutional scale from the ground up characterises everything that he's trying to do to build a flourishing future for his students. Very, very impressive um, school that as in, in, in the way that so many new schools are doing around the world right now, that is taking very seriously the challenge and the opportunity of creating a flourishing future that meets our call of today's learning for tomorrow's world. Listening to you, my perspective is that true vulnerability is waking up each day and choosing courage over comfort. You know, that school leaders have a responsibility to shepherd all in their learning community to this kind of post-pandemic next new, or in our context, as we keep advocating, better normal. And Scott is one of those school leaders that has a capacity of tuning in and outward and being brave enough to anticipate evolution and opportunity born from moments of real struggle and challenge and flip that to opportunity and hope. And that he realises that courage is about overcoming all obstacles when most of the society are frozen in an old reality. And he realizes that courage is, is not to be afraid 
to become or reveal who you really are for self and the places and the people that you serve and that you lead. That courage too is a courage which is created through a knowledge architecture and a model for the holistic education of the students, which is then deliberately enculturated. You know, there's a deliberate attempt that Scott is making with your school to talk explicitly about who they want their students to become and why, and then how they're going to do it without micromanaging the what. You know, so, so there's so much of what's going on there fits in with the research that we've been doing globally over the last decade through our research institute, Circle, the Centre for Innovation, Research, Creativity and Leadership and Education. Try saying that um, <laughs> when you're very tired on a Friday night, um, three times very fast in a row. Um, it's, it, it, it corresponds so much to, to what we understand about how we put together the whole of learning, where you've got to get the vision and the vocabulary right, you've got to get the value and values proposition right, and then you've got to get the velocity of change agreed on uh, right throughout a school community. And, and you know, Phil, it's 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 intentionally purposeful, right? Absolutely. And, and talking about that, episode seven, Lonnie Vernquist, imagine if students have more opportunities to learn at different times in different places. As I said before, with any time, anywhere, learning becoming the better normal for our students. While online tools facilitate opportunities for a more highly personalised learning experience, of individually targeted stretch and challenge tasks. One that is self-paced, self-determined and incorporates relevant and real-world inquiry-based learning. Imagine if resulting in all classrooms being flipped, meaning and knowledge and skills are part of this kind of new learning paradigm that takes them outside the classroom and often sometimes at home. Where on-campus class time experiences become one of character apprenticeship, deep contemplation and collaboration, teamwork, and the practical application or transfer of that kind of knowledge and understanding of real life issues. Where taking tests will be replaced by students' growth and achievement through creative and collaborative projects to problem solve those wicked and relevant real world questions. Well, Phil, the truth is that this already exists and Lonnie and her team at Imagine If are making that happen intentionally purposeful. And doing it in such a human-centered way as well. You know, if we look at these these components that we've sort of built up around the model for what the ecosystem might be to house today's learning for tomorrow's world, such a human-centered way. Yeah, I'm I'm still reflecting on the conversation we had with Lonnie. Sometimes I talk about change as an onion skin, and we're at the center of it. And what we do is we connect with people one layer at a time until eventually you've got a whole onion. I think that's how change really occurs in schools. I think that's probably the way change occurs really in societies. It's it's about the connections we have with the people who are next to us, who then have connections with the people next to us. And, and we can't do this. We can't build a flourishing future um, for people in education until we understand that we connect our humanity to each other through our interdependence. And as you said earlier, Adriano, through our vulnerability. I think that Lonnie is a, is a tremendous example of that. What a human being. And talking of amazing human beings, Sally Laslett, principal at the Hester Hornbrook Academy. Uh, let, let it rip, mate. Let it rip. This, is, this has been such a formative moment for you this year, <laughs> yeah, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Well, look, it is. And, you know, our encounter with Sally animated what truly matters in education, Phil, and that's people. You know, Sally and the brilliant staff at the Hester Hornbrook Academy understand that their vocation is being an important champion to their students, many of which have had an adverse childhood or experienced significant trauma. 
why do these educators do what they do? Well, from my perspective, they get that every person in our schools is home to this, this notion of a unique life. This learning community isn't about a hand out, but a hand forward and up, where each young person feels seen, respected, safe, valued, and understood. Sally reminded me of my why and the profoundness of why I will forever be a teacher. Phil, the greatest vocation in the world. I can remember coming home from the first class that I taught as a 19-year-old. And I knew that teaching was what I wanted to do and what I was meant to do. I was, I guess, really lucky to have fallen into it after a period of, of sort of wandering um, where I'd, I'd tried a few different things on and, and they hadn't really worked. And there's been no doubt in my mind ever since then that that I was meant to be a teacher. Um, uh, who I teach and what I teach has changed over the years. Um, but, you know, I love doing it. And when you talk to Sally and you look at the way in which she is constructing her school community and working with her team. She loves what she does and she loves who she's working with and working for. We, we are reluctant to use that term love these days. We worry about, uh, and, and rightfully so, about you know, safeguarding and, and, and such matters to do with uh, the, the, the safety and security and protection uh, of our children. And yet, as Khalil Gibran the, you know, said in The Prophet, you know, work is love made visible. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, there's so much to be gained by these individuals that we've had in our Series 7 Game Changers podcast, but it didn't finish just with them, Phil. We had a special series, and that special series, we were introduced to the delightful and super smart uh, Nicole Dyson and the dynamic duo of Will Stubley and Saxon Phipps. You know, your chats with Nicole, Phil and Saxon reminded me of the notion of crowd-sourced classes, entrepreneurship and self-directed learning is almost certainly at the core of the future of learning. To not allow learners to play with information, platforms and ideas is to ignore them access to the tools and patterns of the 21st century life. And that in a progressive learning environment, students should constantly be generating original ideas from multiple sources of information and be doing so guided by teachers, mentors, and the community, all in the pursuit of self-knowledge and self-created meaning and creativity. Highlighting the role of teaching, becoming much more about coaching and guiding students to not only build their knowledge and skills and character attributes, but to also make sense of what they are learning to fully flourish in this life. Yeah, thanks, mate. The lovely analysis there. Um, you know, with both Nicole and Will and Saxon, tremendous opportunity. You keep giving me every series, you give me these opportunities to, to spend some time getting to know these folk and trying to unpack the learning journeys of people for our listeners and what people they are. I think that it's important to look at the, the sort of repertoire of dispositions that we've been building up around um, what it means to be a teacher, what it means to be an educator who equips, empowers and enables students to make their way forward to their future and to flourish in it. You know, we've talked previously about the importance of reflection and the, and the disposition to reflect, which says, I will value stepping back so that I can stop and think about where I am, where I'm going, what do I want to do and so on. And both Nicole and Will and Saxon exemplify that. And yet at the same time, they've got that curiosity that, you know, Ken Robinson all those years ago mm -hmm. um, 
and, and you know, people like David Price and Valerie Hannon um, uh, keep reminding us of, as you know, if you like, the inheritors of, of, of his legacy, that we need to consciously work towards conserving the spaces for reflection in our lives when we're being crowded out by a world. And we need to nurture and encourage and prompt the opportunities to keep asking the imagine if and the what if questions along the way, because that crowding of the world and, and our own brain development over time keeps us focused on the doing of stuff. And we need to be able to carve out for ourselves the habits of stopping and imagining. And when I look at both the work that Nicole on the one hand and Will and Saxon on the other hand have been doing, stopping, reflecting, asking what if, putting together remarkable programs for people, putting together remarkable platforms for people that are based on deep human-centered ways of interacting, of creating a technologically enriched space, of being people and planet and place conscious, and yet at the same time also, as we've said, intentionally purposeful. And that doesn't mean that they're locked in along the way. That doesn't mean they've thought of everything in advance. That doesn't mean that they've templated everything, but they know why they want to do what it is that they do. And then they experiment and they reflect and they adapt and they tweak and they find their way forward um, to help people out um, along the way. And they're bloody nice people as well too. I mean, you know, and and, and so willing to share of the, of the ups and downs in their lives to to get them to where the place is, you know, it's, these aren't people who are chasing perfection. Although I suspect like many high achievers, they struggle with the gap between what they know they want to do and their capacity to actually be able to do it in the same way that so many of us do. But, you know, they're they're willing to share and to be vulnerable in that way that I think perhaps our world is different um, from the world that you and I grew up in. Thank you very much for that kind of observation there about your encounter with three remarkable people as part of our special series. And you're so right. They were they were so generous in giving so much of their own personal story and lived experience. But that's a common trait in our game changes, isn't it? They Everyone steps into that position of vulnerability. And, you know, from each of our Series 7 game changes, Phil, we learnt that the significance for learning communities is this notion of deeply tuning in, not only to self, but into the sign of the times This in this new world that we live in, that we all have a responsibility to shepherd those in our learning communities to emerge from this pandemic towards this designing the better normal in doing schooling, that this is about anticipating opportunity born from moments of struggle and challenge and about planning and executing an incremental and unstoppable evolution towards better outcomes for all learners. It's about leading a new educational narrative. It's about leading for ecosystems. It's about leading for innovation. It's about leading for future literacies. And it is above all leading for equity while overcoming all obstacles when many in society are still frozen in an old reality. Thank you to Lacey, to Mond, to Samantha, to Hamish, to Tanya, to Scott, to Lonnie, to Sally, to Nicole, to Will and Saxon for sharing your story and your passion And thank you for reminding us all that each person in our learning communities is home to a unique life. It's as simple and as complex as that, Phil, born from the construct of love, of self, for place and for the other. And, you know, Adriano, 
it doesn't stop here because Series 8, we've already started doing the preparations for it and we can't wait to bring that to our listeners very, very soon. So as we always say here, let's go. Game Changers is a podcast for those who want to change the game of school. Produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and powered by a school for tomorrow, Game Changers is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and SoundCloud. Tell your friends and don't forget to subscribe. Let's go.